Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, General Laws Chapter 30A, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the City of Medford Energy and Environment Committee is being conducted via remote participation. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public could adequately access the proceedings as provided for in the order. Persons who would like to listen to or view this meeting while in progress may do so by accessing the link that was included on the meeting agenda posted on the City of Medford website. If, despite our best efforts, we are not able to provide for real-time access, we will post a record of this meeting on the city's website in the near future at the link provided in the meeting agenda. Okay, just to get a, uh, what I see for members uh, and then members in waiting. So there's me, Bob Payne, Luke McDealy, uh, Jessica Parks, Dave Hampton, Martha Andres, I think McKenna, Barry Ingber, uh, John Rogers, uh, and then the, the ones who are soon gonna be members, Gaston, is it Fiore? How do you pronounce your last name, Gaston? Gaston Fiore. All right, excellent. Okay, and uh, we've got Ben, ben Benji uh, Hiller, um, who's under the name of Fran Hiller and is a Zoom posting. And I don't know about uh, Paul Teslimi. Uh, maybe he wasn't able to come. He's a third member. We'll have more information. Actually, I was going to, uh, at some point after we, um, we can introduce guests and then we can actually have the, um, the members who are, will soon be, um, or the members to be, uh, quickly introduce themselves. So other guests, uh, let's see, we have Lois Grossman, who is my neighbor down the street on West Street. Um, and I think you were you a former member of the Wind Energy Committee? Okay, that's what I thought. It's a long, long time ago, far, far away, a long time ago. Okay, any other uh, guests that I haven't seen? Oh, Zachary Gordon. I don't know. Oh, is this um, Sue Gordon? Not sure. I think uh, he or she is still muted. And then I got something in the way I can't see the other other name here. Oops. Uh, oh, Sue Brown. That was Sue Brown is the one that went to the bike commission meeting. Okay. So there you are. All right. Uh, so that those are our guests and members and members in waiting. Um, okay. Uh, Gaston, why don't you give, give us a, a brief summary of your background and interest in the committee? Yeah, hello everyone. I'm Gaston Pierre. Um, I'm an engineer by training um, with a background in artificial intelligence and specifically machine learning. And uh, my interest in the environment uh, came up uh, through my love of the environment. I'm a mountain ultra trail runner. I run in the falls every day. I live in New Hampshire a lot, um, and um, I just uh, wanted to 
I'm also an avid biker. Um, my wife uh, bikes to work in the South End as well. And um, I just wanted to get involved um, to sort of um, help Medford become even more sustainable. Um, Excellent. Okay, and uh, Benji, why don't you introduce yourself and um, similarly. On mute. Benji, you're on mute. How's that? There right, you that's go. Better. Hi, I'm Benji Hiller. Um, I'm an almost retired lawyer. I'll be fully retired at the end of the year. Um, I guess my interest in, in working in environmental issues started in the mid to late 1970s when I was involved with the Clamshaw Alliance opposing the construction of the nuclear power plant up in Seabrook. Um, and since I've uh, been a lawyer, I've been working on um, toxic torts. I've spent a good portion of my career representing lead poisoned children. And I've also um, been involved in helping out and representing people who've gotten arrested in various um, political protests involving the environment for the last 30 or 35 years. All right, very good. My wife demonstrated at Seabrook too, so there you go. Uh, we may know each other. I was very you, Beth Fuller, I don't know if you know her, but that's okay. All right. Uh, I don't think that Paul is here. Paul has leave me, uh, but he is, um, We'll we'll send out information on everybody because they're going to update um, their uh, uh, you know their their profiles. But he is more in the line of medical. But he he has he's been a soccer coach. He is very um, invested in the school system, and he would like to introduce more um, of of the uh, education outreach to the school system. So that's, I think, Gaston, you were also interested in that too, so. Yeah, that's correct, yeah, that would be great. That was, that was very attractive to me in terms of his value to the committee. All right, let's go to the review of minutes from the April 5th meeting, which I sent a few days ago. Uh, I would I open the floor for any discussion as to whether there's any edits or comments on those minutes. If there is none, I will entertain a motion to accept the minutes as uh, distributed. Someone speak up. I can't I can't do the motion because I'm the chair or co chair, and, and I won't because I wasn't there. And I wasn't there. Okay. So I'll, I'll move to accept the minutes. Oh, that wasn't a member then, so I don't know. No, you, I... can't, you can't do that. No, sorry. <laughs> I motion to accept the minutes. Okay. Yay. I can second it. So I will, um, I'll go through the roll call really briefly. Bob Payne, I, I say yes. Okay, uh, Luke, you accept? Yes. Okay, and Barry, do you accept? Um, abstain, I wasn't there. All right, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. That's right, you weren't. Uh, and Loretta, you weren't there? Or, or Loretta's not here, Loretta's not here today. And Kathleen, were you there? Yes, I was present, accepted. Okay, Nicole is not here, and John, you weren't there. I wasn't there. Dave? Abstain, I wasn't there. Oh, I'm sorry, and Martha, were you there? Yes, I accept the minutes. Okay, and Jessica? Yes. Okay, 
by unanimous consent, we accept the minutes from the April 5th, 2021 meeting. I'm gonna turn it over to Alicia Hunt to give us uh, administrative updates, community membership updates, etc. Hi, um, just I, in case it wasn't completely clear, we sort of said this before everybody was logged in. Um, so the mayor has said that she's appointing Gaston and Benji and Paul to the committee. Um, the process is that somebody in her office is gonna draft a formal letter, which is gonna get mailed to their house. And then they have to go in and get sworn in. And so I said to the mayor, that takes a while and we have a meeting on Monday. Can I just tell them and they can come to the meeting and start acting as members? And she said, that's fine. Um, but there is sort of a formal process because I said to her, there's, it's not like if this was a board where we were having a, a legal hearing and had to vote, then there'd be like, ooh, could they vote on like a real issue? You'd probably have to get sworn in first. You'd absolutely have to be sworn in first. Here, our, our votes are, are more about what is the committee going to work on over the coming several months, than which case we're much more interested in who's supportive of it than who's an official member um, at that point. So those will be um, coming through. And um, Benji, I was just saying to Gaston before you logged in, if you could let me know when you get that letter, um, I may or may not get a paper copy automatically. Sometimes I have to ask for them. Sometimes they show up in my mailbox. I like to keep um, a file for every committee of everybody who's officially appointed and their resumes and stuff. So if people ever say, well, who's on that committee I have? And when were they appointed? I, I have a list of that. Sure, be glad to. Um, uh, there were some other things you wanted me to touch on but today, but I think those were later in the agenda. Yeah, um, if there's no more administrative updates, I was wondering if the mayor had any. Um, well, yeah, we can we can talk about the green awards those later. Are later, the one other thing is just so that people are aware, this is the time of year when I'm usually usually interns start to leave for other jobs. I start hiring more, so Nana is still around and helping us out. Life is easier now that people can help remotely. Um, in some aspects, because I, you know, doesn't really matter if she's nearby or not, but I believe you're still nearby. Um, and then um, we are interviewing. We started interviewing on Friday for interns for the coming year. Um, and I have interviews most all week. Um, and we're looking to hire a, about four, I guess, total, probably five students. I'm trying to balance our funding sources, the money we have available and the amount of help that we need. Um, so my, my goal is to bring on a couple of people who are interested in, um, some who are interested in housing, some like general land use planning, some interested in climate, and then figure out who would have time to help with different committees and stuff based on their personal schedules and the schedules of the meetings. Um, so we're sort of in the middle of that process right now. Um, so maybe in June, I'll be like, here are who the new new uh, interns are. Um, but we'll see. We do have a Tish fellow who is definitely working with us for 10 weeks this summer. She's an undergraduate. And we've also hired a graduate student as an economic development intern um, who should be starting fairly soon. Um, so that's the rundown. 
Okay, we can go on then to item two, which is your discussion of grant requests and lobbying. Right. Um, so some of the stuff that we have been talking about is um, there are a number of uh, programs that we apply for all the time. And one of the ones that has been growing is the Municipal Vulnerabilities Preparedness Program, which is a state program. And we are working, the Resilient Mystic Collaborative is the Mystic River Watershed Collaborative of um, municipalities working on climate adaptation together. We have been applying for joint grants. We've been doing regional grants. There are a large number of things that we've been working on with them that are sort of retain stormwater in the upper mystic so that you don't flood lower mystic and infrastructure that is in the lower mystic that protects storm surge. How do we harden that? Um, or uh, infrastructure that serves the whole area like the food market, um, the, the food distribution center in Chelsea and Everett which is actually not a lot of people actually know that it's there, but it's a central food hub where particularly produce comes from all over and then gets redistributed back into the region. It's in a very vulnerable location um, in Chelsea and Everett. Uh, it's, it's already having flooding issues there. Um, so we work regionally, like for example, if that flooded, Medford houses wouldn't get trashed, but Medford supermarkets would have trouble getting food. Um, so we've been working with them regionally on these grants to uh, work on things to protect, protect the city, but to protect the residents of the city and to help with climate efforts. The MVP program, it sounds like a lot of money, but they've been getting $10 million a year for the past couple of years. And our region, the Resilient Mystic Collaborative, could easily be applying for $5 million of that. Um, we have projects queued up that could eat up half of it. And I think members, committees, communities are applying for a significant chunk. So we have been working to figure out how can we increase the funding to this program. And the Resilient Mystic Collaborative has been working with watersheds, other watershed groups to talk about how can we increase it. And there's a plan to do an outreach campaign about what do we need to have improved in the watershed and what do we need climate adaptation money for. And I will tell you that we are doing this in conjunction. We've been there. There are people in the administration, in the state administration, who would very much like to see this increase. And so they're also supportive of this. We're not like fighting with the administration. We're like saying, hey, we're going to do this outreach campaign. So we're not trying to make anybody look bad. We're trying to say we just need more money targeted to this situation. And so the idea is to do 30 second to one minute videos. Um, and for people to go all over the state, wherever you, there's a thing that needs climate money. Um, and so an example might be, we've been talking about how the wading pool at the Tufts pool, what if 
you put in some sprinkler stuff and you turned it into a sprinkler. So it was less of a pool and more of a sprinkle pad situation and changed the gate structure so that when Tufts pool is closed, you could have a publicly open sprinkle pad there. And so have somebody stand in the empty waiting pool and say, this community needs more sprinkler parks to stay cool in the summer. And we, are look, we need more climate adaptation funding to help fund this project. Boom, that's it. That's their whole video. And so we're asking people to like, maybe go stand by tree stumps and say, we really need more money to plant more trees. It's hot here. And they had the trees died of old age or disease and we need to replace them. And we need climate money to replace these trees. Um, and so we're looking to pull together videos from just all over the state. And one of the things that I was offering is that maybe we could pull a few from Medford first um, to make uh, get Medford on the map. And because we have so many things here that we could use for climate funding for. So I kind of wanted to bring it this to you guys because I could just sit in my office and come up with ideas and then I can go stand in places and videotape them. But it would be a lot better if we had people would say, I'm a member of Medford's Energy and Environment Committee and this is the situation, right? And then give you give that 30 second, whatever it is in for a need that you see around the, the city. Or I'm a resident of the city of Medford and I think we need funding for this climate thing. So I'm sort of bringing that to you guys to think about, to dwell on, to have ideas, and maybe to help make a few videos. Alicia, do you have a, a preliminary list of these items? Okay, those are the good ones I've thought of, but I'd love to hear if you guys have ideas. I see Dave has his hand up. That was my question too. Yeah, whether there was a, a, a top list of items. I was having trouble with it because one of the things that, so Julie Wormser is helping to organize it, and she was suggesting if there are things that we've applied for grants for that we haven't gotten yet, or haven't gotten, that would be particularly good. Um, but we've, our grants from the MVP program have been around um, bringing together underrepresented communities to speak about climate issues. And I was like, how do I film that. And somebody actually suggested to me that I should stand in an empty conference room and say, we need climate money to hear from people and to fill this room with underrepresented populations, people to talk to us about what they need in, in climate money. That's a one idea. Um, those are a couple of the ideas that we've had, but I certainly would be interested in like other you know, other ideas too. One suggestion is to have a have a Google Doc and have us brainstorm. Um, so if you if we if we see some of those examples there, then we could continue to add to it. Um, some that come to mind are uh, like resilience hubs. You know, you could stand in front of a place that's considered as a site for a resilience hub and say, "See, this place could be a resilience hub," which is going to uh, serve the most at-risk populations during extreme heat and extreme cold, or somebody in a kayak. <laughs> um, if this uh, if this flood mitigation goes, public housing behind it gets flooded. Something like that. 
writing those down. So if I look like I'm not responding, it's because I'm I'll writing. Do, I'll do the kayak one. Great. And are these supposed to be tied to grant possibilities? I guess I'm not sure if there's a condition to these ideas. So they would be things that could use money, right? Um, so the idea is not to say we need you to come talk to us, but to say we need money to bring people to talk to us. And we may or may not literally apply for grants for these things. But there are things like like Dave was just saying that are sort of at risk. You know, this this area would get flooded if, you know, if we're not able to protect it from storm surge or from inland flooding or whatever. Um, so more just things that need money. What we're trying to do is show that there's a large amount of money needed in ways other than saying, because one of the things we've talked about is that we're applying for a lot of grants. It's hard work to apply for grants that you don't think you're going to get. Um, and the more competitive we make these grants, the harder it is. And certainly like for the MVP, Medford should only be really applying for one individual grant. And then we are participating in a bunch of regional grants. Um, but we might have five things that we actually want to have funded. So we may or may not move on this as a grant immediately so much as it's stuff that's out there like the um splash pad we'd love to see more splash pads in parks um if we got mvp program funding for them we'd put them in but we also might find funding elsewhere for them right this isn't the only way we would fund some of these Right. Well, Alicia, would you say that the main issues are around heat island effects, flooding, you know, surface water flooding, um, and resilience hubs like community hubs, or are there other kind of areas of concern that you could imagine doing videos on and right now we have a lot of concern about storm surge flooding um we're we're working on some big ideas to prevent the storm surge flooding um so maybe it'll never come to pass but maybe it'll never come to pass only if some of our big ideas actually come to fruition um so there's there's stuff around that there's heat is a huge one because of all the different kinds of impacts and because it's frankly it's a freight train that's coming um we i mean we actually the heat is based on greenhouse gases from 20 years ago is when we're actually seeing the heat impacts um so those and then severe storms is sort of what we're mm -hmm. concerned about in this area increased rain but it's really less about um, we're going to turn into a swampy wetland and more about more or storms that are larger amounts of water in a shorter amount of time. So frequently these are things that result in flooding that lasts for a few days until or hours until it can drain away because the storm drain system just can't remove the mm -hmm. flooding that occurs that that quickly, but it might be, you know, Medford could handle an inch of rain. That's no problem. But when we get the inch in 20 minutes, we end up with like flooded areas that can cause real harm and destroy cars for one thing. 
So um, you could, you could, for example, do a video standing in front of a, a building or area that's likely to be flooded in that heavy participation precipitation yeah. event. Yeah. It would yeah. be, it would be interesting to get one in the middle of the flooding or I have to keep an eye on this one. If we get one of those pretty big rain downpours, there are some streets that are known to really accumulate and get out there like while not while it's pouring because you can't actually take the video, but you know, 10 minutes later and, and see the like foot and a half of water. Um, yeah, I believe um, actually neighbors of mine on Kilgore did um, send in pictures of their kids floating and rafts yeah. on the street. So after a storm, so we yeah. Have we'll have, in some I, I neighborhoods, yeah. In some I neighborhoods have, like in North Medford, there's pretty severe basement flooding after storms. I've had as much as a foot of water in my basement. I call it my indoor swimming pool. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if it still floods, but Central Ave, I have pictures from the 90s of people kayaking down Central Ave. So yeah, you can, uh, it gets flooded during a storm surge, during a storm surge. So. Well, one suggestion is uh, because it is regional, if you had, you'll obviously get more money if you're doing these regional grants. So one suggestion would be, I don't know if it's a TikTok thing, but you have somebody do a video and then they go, but I'll let my colleague from Chelsea take it from here, fist bump, and then it goes over to the to a video done by somebody in Chelsea. If it's say the Mystic River, right? So that's that's an example of something that crosses the communities so that you can get that regional partnership even through the videos. Another suggestion would be is if there's a price tag um, you know, either say it or have it as a graphic in the video so that they understand the magnitude. If somebody says, you know, you could, uh, this could be a great site for a resilience hub for the tune of whatever, 2 million or something. That, that, that might be helpful. That's a great idea. Thanks. Clearly I have to watch more TikTok. I only see them when my teenage daughter shows them today. I've only heard of this. All right, maybe a, a Google Doc or something. I, yeah, um, yeah um, Nano, when we get a minute, can you help me like throw some of what we have so far in a Google Doc and share it to the... Actually, I feel like I should copy and paste what you've grabbed for here for the agenda. I'll put it in a Google Doc and I'll share it. To, I'll drop the link in here, but then we'll share it out as well. Is is there a time frame for, for this? So there's a... Is it I would say that there's a... We're starting right now like we don't actually even have sample videos yet because we've just been talking about it over the past week um and i'm not really keep doing it until we get a hundred million dollars right <laughs> but does it coincide with the the fiscal year for the the grants or um no we are um targeting like <clears throat> so we're not targeting fiscal year money and that's actually the grants have been funded with fiscal year, like budget money, so that you get a grant and you have to finish it in one fiscal year, which for the bigger projects is not practical and not doable. So now sometimes we can do two years with them. Um, so part of what we're trying to do is to identify uh, funding that's outside of the state's general fund budget 
that would also allow like a bank, a reserve of money to be set up so that it could be uh, multi-year projects. You know, if you're talking big infrastructure, it could be five years worth of design, engineering, bidding, construction, even more. Um, so something we're actually trying to get off budget money. Um, but to also set it up that there's a revenue stream so that there would be ongoing. I think Julie might have mentioned some ideas that they have um, for how to fund it, but I couldn't speak to those right now. I think some of the example, though, is that Green Communities is funded through, I used to know this like the back of my hand. Um, I completely spaced on uh greenhouse gas offsets revenue there's some revenues that the state gets um i can't speak to it anymore i don't know if any of you remember what it is we haven't talked about it in like eight years is it reggie funding yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> the regional greenhouse gas initiative and if you don't comply, there are compliance payments you can make rather than doing reducing your energy, you can put payments in and it's an ongoing fund. And it means that the money is not tied to the fiscal year and there's a good bucket of money there and it has money that comes in and it's not tied to the, the, um, the state funding, like it's not tied to the legislature or the governor signing off on it every year. It's It's been put into law and it would take them to pass a whole new law to take that money away. So they're sort of trying to like, can we identify something like this that we could use to fund uh, climate adaptation money? And that's at state or municipal level? Well, the idea would be to get a state program to fund municipal and regional projects. And a lot of them are regional. Um, we're part of a, a heat program, a heat project right now um, around responding to heat issues um, where we're getting new mapping data of heat islands for this region. And then the idea would be to do outreach jointly at, with Boston as a region. Um, and there's another one that's looking at the stormwater, um, upper mystic stormwater. We're looking at some target solutions for storm surge. And that's another regional project. And honestly, I just got an email from Boston today um, that they're looking to put together a regional grant for all the water that flows down from the Mystic, the Charles, and the Neponset um, watersheds to look at water quality and water volume coming through the whole region. And they're looking to spearhead that, that effort. Um, and they asked if we would sign on to it. So there are a lot of these bigger regional projects that are ongoing. There's also some smaller ones that I've been talking to different communities about. Um, we're looking at one with building energy efficiency with Melrose and Malden um, as well. So, so yeah, there, <laughs> I just, we just keep throwing our hat in the ring. <laughs> okay. Was that uh, what you wanted to discuss on that grant request then? Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to go to the item on the climate action plan retrospective and looking ahead to the climate action and adaptation plan. 
you're looking at me again. Sorry, I was literally um, just trying to get you uh, the link that I created this Google Doc here. Okay. Um, I may have to actually share it, but for now, I'm just going to drop you this. Um, I'm going to share it to Nana, and then she can sit. Okay. Uh, I'm going to change the settings on this. Anyone with the link? There you go. All right. I threw the notes that Nana was taking, so we'll need to make this a little prettier. Um, in the back. Sorry. I didn't realize that the topics you had for me were back to back. I hate to dominate like whole large sections of the meeting. Um, so we've released, so I think you all know, but to say it again, and for the viewing public, um, in case anybody hadn't noticed, um, cable access joined us, which means that one of the other uh, meetings that was occurring tonight on TV has ended. Um, so we are live on TV now. Um, in 2001, Medford created a climate action plan, and it was the first municipal climate action plan in Massachusetts. And I had it open on my, here we go. Um, so we created one of the first ones in Massachusetts, and it was part of being um, some of the very early climate work that we were doing with organizations like ICLEI, um, we were involved in actually uh, regional and international climate actions as early as 2001. And so many of you have seen the climate action plan. And if you don't mind, I think I'll just share screen for one minute. We should have opened this in a different format, but here you go, just to be quick. So this is the cover of the old, so this is our climate plan retrospective. And then this was the original climate action plan. And so this has been released as one large document with a letter of introduction from Mayor Brianna. Um, and then uh, the table of contents lays out the entire document for you. I'm not gonna go through the whole document um, but I'll share that the executive summary is new and that's about this retrospective. And then from, from objective down, these are all the old sections that were in the climate action plan that was released in 2001. And then um, we, in section four, we start with the existing proposed reduction measures municipal and that's where our real response starts. I'll just sort of scroll through this. So here's the executive summary, which sort of talks about what's in here and how to read the report, and then some highlights of what has occurred the past 20 years. And then there's a whole section about greenhouse gases and what they measured back in 2001. And it's fascinating. And then under that, when they get to the recommendations about what to do, so here, local energy efficiency code, municipal buildings. And then there's this gray box that has a 2021 review. And that's what happened. So you recommended something, what happened? And then there was a recommendation. There should be annual energy audits, what happened? And then renewable energy sources, what happened? 
And so this goes on for 50 pages of what happened with a nice little, little conclusion here at the end. Um, so on the 20th anniversary of the release of this original climate action plan is finally the answer to what happened. So we released that um, last week for Earth Week, um, two weeks ago, sorry, they blur. Um, and it's linked off the city's website. I think I sent email to all of you about it with the press release. Um, so I wanted you all to, to be aware that that was released. We also, our office released our first newsletter. If you didn't get a, well, first new joint combined newsletter. Um, if you didn't re receive it, you can sign up on the um, Community Development and Energy and Environment webpage. There are different um, actual um, newsletters you can sign up for. We have one for businesses. We have one for everybody. We have one about the comprehensive plan. And actually, you can sign up for the CPA newsletter right on our webpage now as well. Um, and then the other thing is that I just wanted to give people an update about the new plan that we're working on. So you're all aware that two years ago, we released the climate vulnerability assessment. So, and I think you are all aware that we have been working on a climate action and adaptation plan. Um, we kind of tried to create a climate adaptation plan, but really you keep saying, but we have to reduce greenhouse gases and, and frankly, sustainability adaptation and energy efficiency are so intertwined that we said we're, we're doing a joint plan. Um, so the climate action and adaptation plan um, met with the outreach and equity working group during March and, or sorry, April. Um, and we've, we've been incorporating that. Um, many of you were on committees that worked a year ago on this. And um, we had some delays, of course, as everybody did because of the pandemic. And we were trying to work out the best way to include diverse voices in this as well. Um, so we had the equity and outreach group meet. And now I'm reading through all the strategies and goals. And our consultant is at the same time sort of rereading re everything with this equity lens that came out of the working groups. And we're coming out with our first rough draft of goals and strategies. And at that point, um, some of the interns from my office, um, possibly Nana, depending on her timing, but Allie Heipel, who most of you have met, will actually be taking sections of it and going to different um, staff in the city where there's the sections talk about things that are directly relevant to their work. The easiest example is there's several strategies that talk about trees they'll sit down with Aggie to go through that section. And there's stuff about stormwater, they'll sit down with the um, city engineer on that section. Um, but at that point, we can also make it available to this committee to see, to be reading, these are the strategies that are moving forward. Um, we'll then do a public meeting and presentation of the draft strategies and put them out to the public for a while for people to sort of chew on give us feedback and thoughts on them. And then our goal is for in the fall to actually present, this is the final climate action and adaptation plan for the city. Um, so I figure it was time, good time that just give you guys a solid update on where all that stands. I feel like we were treading water for a while during the pandemic um, while we were trying to figure out how to incorporate the, the diverse voices 
that we had a really solid plan last February 2020. We knew exactly what we were doing and meeting with groups of people in person over dinner suddenly became impossible a month later. <laughs> um, so we had to rework how to do that. So, any questions? Alicia, is there, a, so you said the next, so fall 2021, the final plan, is there another outfacing public meeting where the draft actions or the draft plan gets uh, previewed before that final plan? Yeah, the plan, the, the plan, the idea, what we are currently expecting is that in June, maybe July, but probably June. I'm, I'm having some trouble because I also am trying to balance the comprehensive plan and their public meetings. Um, so we'll probably in mid-June actually present this um, with an online meeting, do a presentation of what, what's in this whole thing. It, my gut is that it'll be a solid hour of presenting and then taking feedback then, but then also having ways for people to just email us or um, could set up one-on-ones with the graduate students to give like feedback on different parts of it um, to, to get more input from the community. And that will take feedback throughout July and then put together a final draft in August. I think that I will just mention, we are planning to give the comprehensive plan, comprehensive plan consultants, the draft strategies um, at the same time as that they're ready for the public. And um, so right after, after I review them, before, actually I would say before they go to department heads, because we really need the consultants to have them like three weeks ago. Um, so once I've reviewed them, because um, there's a whole lot of things that we're like cleaning up here, um, we're going to make them available to the comprehensive plan consultants. So you will start to see things come through that. There are definitely strategies that say like this concept around zoning should get addressed in the comprehensive plan project. And we're going to ask them to like explore that more deeply. But the strategy that comes out of the adaptation plan is address it with the comprehensive plan. Um, because some of these just can't be done in isolation. Um, and I was looking to see, I think that I have um, the comprehensive plan public meeting is going to be June 9th, probably at 6 p.m. That's a later date than was previously announced. Um, we uh, had to bump it back a little bit. And so I'm expecting that this meeting would actually be uh, a week or two after that. Frankly, at the earliest, because when I think about Nana and Allie trying to get the staff to review their sections before we make it public, that's not going to be the fastest process you've ever seen. Alicia, another question. And you, were you looking to this committee to review things at what what point in the process? I got lost with the date. I would say either when department heads are reviewing it or when the public is. I could kind of go either way 
because I feel like there are a lot of things where people on this committee would say, well, I have thoughts, but I would defer to the department head on this, right? Like the city engineer, or we have a traffic engineer, the director of traffic and transportation, who's going to have a lot of thoughts on a lot of the transportation things. Um, So I kind of want to balance that. And I'm, I'm happy to sort of go either way while the staff are reviewing or after the staff review. Um, and it could be a little bit of both. If some people said, well, I'd love to get my hands on it early and provide feedback that maybe they should, those department heads should think about when they're looking at it. That's one thing. Or if you'd rather say, I'd rather wait till after the engine, the city engineer looks at it before I then weigh in on it. Like that you can see there are pros and cons to both. I would say the earlier, the better. Okay. And I'll say yes, on for you and Benji. Um, some of the members of this committee were on the original committees that formulated the ideas in the first place. Um, so like Kathleen and Luke were involved in the building energy one. Um, I'm not, I, some of the members were involved. I think Martha, were you in the environmental resources group? So some of the, so all of the original ideas came from groups of people that were representatives of the community who volunteered to work on it. Um, so it's, it's sort of been an iterative, iterative process. And actually our traffic engineer and city engineer and director of health sat in on some of those meetings too. So this has been very iterative. Happy to share it sooner. I'm, I have found with some previous things that sometimes it's helpful to have somebody who knows about the city and what's going on to go through it first, just to make sure that there aren't any accidental faux pas. Uh, we had a report once that was getting ready to go out that where somehow the consultants heard the people at the table say, we should have a person in the city who's responsible for X. And we did have a person responsible for that. And in fact, they were sitting at a different table in the room at the time. And so we thought it would be kind of insulting for the report to go out with that recommendation. So I try to like go through and make sure that things that are just, will just confuse people, right? Are cleaned up and and out of there. (laughs) Um, So I'm trying not to um, censor it in any way. I'm trying to just make sure that like, if it says the city should do X, it's really important. And actually we're already doing it. Let's not confuse the matter. Let's just say this is what we're doing. And actually you guys are going to love this because there are huge sections about this is what we're doing. And this is what we recommend we should do. So it's, people will read it and go, I didn't know we were doing that, whatever that is. So. Okay, I'd agree with the guest on the earlier, the better. Um, because I think too, we're going through this, this is my, my work, we're going through this with other communities. And I think people aren't remembering that we're coming out of a pandemic, fingers crossed, and the weather's getting better. So when I hear June and July for public input, people are gonna be gone. <laughs> so um, expect that to come in a little slowly. So if you have things well-crafted before, and people are effectively voting on things rather than. And they're not, it's not about voting. It's, we're not asking people to prioritize or what's important. We're asking them more like, what should we be doing in Medford? It's prioritizing is hard because 
so often you want to take into account, well, what's the financing and what's, you know, certain things are easier and some things are easier to get money for and other things might be really important, but really hard to get to do. And so we're trying to sort of lay them out and sort of say, what do we need? And, and who's, we're also in Medford, we're, we've moved to a point of being amazingly decentralized. So I'm not going to look at a list, this document, and say, here is the list that I have to do, that my office is responsible for. This is stuff for, like, every department in the city and community groups and stuff, um, which also helps with this not needing to prioritize. Prioritizing scares me. <laughs> so I, I was at the Bicycle Commission meeting uh, last week, and then the transportation engineer for the city uh, was present at the meeting. And um, there was, I said the earlier, the better, because there were very interesting discussions where the Bicycle Commission members were giving him a lot of input uh, about different intersections and things like that. And then he was actually, you know, taking notes. And I just think that there could be a lot of benefit, um, you know, sort of engaging uh, people that are, uh, that want to see something done in a certain way with, together with the, the city people like the transportation engineer as early on. Mm -hmm. oh. And we've certainly had members of the bike commission in the earlier crafting of stuff, but certainly not everybody, right? And part of the idea of putting this back out there was like, it'll be a fresh look too, because all of those original meetings, frankly, occurred pre-pandemic. And I feel like, hold on one second, I had to close that door. Oh, it's just got loud. Um, but but I feel like there with there's both the post-pandemic eyes and the state just passed this amazing climate bill. And so we've there are several things that we were like, we should push the state to do X, and now they're doing it. So we kind of have to rework how some of those strategies were um to to fit the day. But I hear what you're saying, Gaston. Like, yeah, we definitely and I like something that would help is having like somebody like you then say to the bike commission, here it is. Can we talk about it at a meeting? Like I will send it out. I'll send it out to everybody, but, but like, I can't go to every boarding committee meeting in the city. It feels like I do already sometimes. Um, and the idea would be to have more people having these conversations with the various groups. Great. Thank you, Alicia. We'll get an update in June as to how that's going. I'd like to go on to the next agenda item, which is event planning and discussion of the Harvest Your Energy Festival and Green Awards. So what is there any uh, physical event other than the Harvest Your Energy Festival, Alicia, that you're aware of? The city hasn't yet started planning any city-based events that I'm aware of, and I asked about a week ago. Um, okay. So that's not saying there won't be. Um, what I've heard, though, is stuff like um, Circle the Square, which is usually done by a community group, not the city, is very time-intensive and long to plan, as is the Energy Festival. Um, so they don't think they can pull it off for this summer because they would have been planning a few months ago already. Mm -hmm. um now i'm not i'm not on that board i'm not part of that group 
So I could be wrong. <laughs> they could change their minds. But that's what I've heard so far. Um, I'm hopeful that there'll be community groups and events, um, but I'm not aware of any yet. All right, so let's go to the Harvest Your Energy Festival. Uh, tentatively planned for October 16th, a Saturday. Uh, is that still possible? So I sort of ran it by a member of the health department and she's like, if there's not a surge under the rules that the, the governor just announced, by his timeline, in August, you can start holding events with lots of people. Right now, you can hold an outdoor event with 150 people and be in compliance with state law, as long as you can um, generally keep people masked. If you're at a, a, an event like that, right now, you're supposed to be masked. You're supposed to kind of stay distanced. Um, but you can do it. You can have these events. Um, you, I mean, you can go to stadiums. You can hold road races now. Um, and some of this stuff, it's coming out slowly. I don't have exactly the date stuck in my head. So the expectation is that in October, we should be able to do this. In October, if everything keeps going the way it is, we could theoretically have a rain location inside like we used to. But nobody's going to promise us anything because if there's a variant and a surge, all bets are off. Uh, do you have any intern help for planning for this event? I am doing the interviews and one, and I am hoping to hire at least one person who has an interest in event planning. Um, we did advertise that an energy somebody to organize the energy festival was one of the um, uh, positions that we had available. Um, so there was a lot less interest in that than a, than a climate intern. Uh, surprise, surprise, people are more interested in climate planning than festival planning, at least of the people where we advertised. Um, but I am hopeful. All right. So let's assume that we'll continue to plan for that. And now we have to discuss whether we include a green awards program. Uh, I sent out uh, to the committee members, at least, a history of all the awards that have happened since 2012, historically. Uh, and other cities have had this. It's basically a recognition program for citizens, businesses, school groups, and whatnot uh, for environmentally beneficial projects or initiatives or leadership. Even some out, outside organizations such as the Mystic River Watershed Association has gotten an award. There were other awards to people that had developed the Malden River area. So the question, but it, it, it was easy in the, in the beginning because it was like hanging, the low hanging fruit was plucked. And then we, you know, then we got that and then it became harder and harder to find new deserving recipients because we've gotten the easy ones. So it's been uh, more difficult to come up with worthy candidates. And so the issue is, is it, is it worth doing, is it worth continuing? And last year, of course, with the pandemic, we didn't, we didn't have such a program and we didn't even have the festival because it was flooded out. Um, 
So it's now time to at least begin the discussion. We can we can vote on even in June because it's it's not critical we decide today, but I'd like to decide certainly by the June meeting whether we should have a green awards program in 2021. So um, I don't know if you're all familiar, familiar enough to discuss this, but it's um, there's a nomination process. I, I said around the nomination form, it's basically to identify, and I can even, maybe I should share my screen to see if I can find that. Oops, host is disabled participant screen sharing. Maybe you can help me out with that. Okay. Now you should be able to. I'm gonna to go to the, uh, the nomination form is such that you, um, there's examples of various practices to be considered like energy. Wait, I don't see if I can scroll down here. Okay. Um, Bob, we're seeing your list of files, not the form. Oh, all right, let's try that again. All right, let me see if I can. And I'll tell you, Barry has his hand up. Barry, would you like to talk while I'm trying to futz around here? Um, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully you can. So um, for those who have not heard my rants before, um, I've been arguing for at least three years that we should stop doing this, that it takes an enormous amount of effort and time and provides no discernible benefit of any kind um, and that the awardees um, have more and more tended to be people that we give an award to for acting in their own self-interest. And um, there's, uh, it, it seems to me utterly uh, pointless. And every once in a while we come up with somebody who, you know, like Ken Krause, somebody who is just uh, acting selflessly selflessly on behalf of the community and and uh and deserve some recognition but um those are getting rarer and rarer and harder to find so that's the end of my rant i'll hold my peace um i don't think we should do this anymore uh, would it be easier to do a um a simpler form, it doesn't have to be like plaques, but some kudos or something. That doesn't have to even be scheduled. It could be periodic mentions even in this committee meeting of, of, of worthy things that we've known, found. Well, I, I think from time to time, there will be something that's very worthy. And at that point, we should, and, and I mean, the plaque is not that expensive that it's the cost of the plaque. That's not hard at all. Um, I think it's just, the, I mean, we, we, we need to prepare for the Harvester Energy Fair anyway. So the question is, what percentage of time is spent on the Green Awards? And maybe it's the type of thing where if we have a Green Award that year, because we have a, a worthy um participant then we do it and if we don't we don't um but but that's when we would have it what do you think of that idea i i would agree with both uh barry and john that it's you know pushing to give an award every year is um sounds like you know we've exhausted the likely candidates so it's better to do it on an ad hoc basis if we see something 
that we really want to recognize and promote. Um, we have me methods of doing that. We have a website, um, could give an award, but I think trying to make it an annual, you know, trying to force it when we aren't seeing the right kind of candidates doesn't really benefit anybody. I had a clarification question. Does one of the subcommittees usually head that up or is it the entire committee that discusses? Because one suggestion might be if there's a subcommittee that is tasked specifically with the events, and forgive me, I, I can't remember because I, I can't keep our subcommittees straight sometimes, um, then that might save you know, 10, 10 minutes of meeting um, to, you know, only discuss something if there are three potential awardees that rolled in over the last two months or something. Um, but just a clarification, I didn't know if one subcommittee is responsible for this. Yeah, we have typically had a subcommittee run this and, and Bob is uh, typically on that um, and has helped to put that together every year. Um, I, I would uh, just say that I think the the subcommittee doesn't uh, is um, a reasonable approach, but it is still an investment of our team's time uh, to research and solicit uh, potential candidates and then to kind of vet them and ultimately present them to the group. Um, and I have to say that I also agree with Barry and John and Martha's comments that there are um, uh, it does seem forced at times. And uh, I think the, the challenge with doing it entirely as ad hoc is we certainly will um, and most likely will miss uh, potential candidates who are eligible and worthy. Um, but I definitely feel like uh, there are other things that we could be doing with that time too, so. Is there, I mean, could there just be a, a link on the website or somewhere that, you know, says if you see someone or know of someone who's doing something fantastic um, in Medford for the environment, um, let us know, um, or something like that. So basically someone who really wants to recognize someone takes that initiative and says, oh, I, I wanna talk about this person. So they'll actually go, you know, to the city's website and say, how do I, how do I let someone know that this person's doing something great? Cause to me that if someone goes that extra step to actually find out how they might recognize someone, it means they, they may actually be worthy of, you know, potential recognition. So maybe, maybe even if there's just a email this person or, you know, I'm happy to collect any emails that may come in, you know, even if that's it you know, something as simple as that, should they come in? You know, I don't know, just a thought. That sounds great. And, and if it is a simplified form like you're showing Bob uh, and it's online, it's a Google doc and it, it's populating 
whatever, I always forget what they populate on the back end. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we see that five came in and they filled out the, you know, six out of the, the 10 key criteria, um, then you've got something and, and it's putting a bit of the onus on Medford itself, then that's maybe one way to, to get that information without spending too much time. Um, just curious, how long does it usually take someone to fill this out? Not, not too long, but it, it may be better to just do this uh, on a, it doesn't have to be the same time of year. When, when somebody is uh, perceived to have worthy uh, activities, just, just, you could just start by saying, uh, I think this, that we could, we could give kudos. It could be a kudos program, basically, um, rather than any official thing. And then, you know, once you, you could just give a, produce a list of all the people that you recognize over the last year. Uh, it doesn't have to be all at once, but it could be just a rolling type of, uh, it's like a, you know, make a difference program or something we have at, at our, our company. And one, you know, once in a while, someone does something above and beyond, and they get an award, or they might get a small monetary uh, award. But it's it's not time to just as it happens, you do that. So we could make this quite a lot less rigid, and but but start taking some sort of um, suggestions of, of of candidates, and then just say. We're going to post something on our website as, as to to uh, recognize your activity, and uh, but that that could be that could be an idea, and we could we could give it some more thought and and and, and maybe solidify suggestions at the June meeting uh, as to wh where this goes, but we could disband the rigid, you know, do it all by October so we can make the plaques in time for the Harvest Energy Festival type of thing and make it more, uh, as it happens, we, we gather the information and we, we, we sort of have a rolling um, set of uh, people, organizations that we, we want to give kudos to. And then we, we maybe publish it once a year or something like that. So that, that might be one way to do this. Well, maybe what we could do is, um give the awards out through the year, but the plaques are reserved for the energy fair. They get the plaque. They might, so they might get an award in February, but they get the plaque in October. You know? could, be, could be that. Um, and then part of the original inception of this part of it was that, that the thought was that the plaques would hang on businesses' walls and people would say, oh, how did you get that plaque? Oh, I, uh, I put solar on my roof. It wasn't that hard. This is how I did it. And it was an idea of spreading the idea of um, mm -hmm. of green activities in into the public eye a little more. And, and I don't know if that actually happened, but that was the thought behind it. Yeah. So uh, I was gonna. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Bob. I was gonna say um, something along the lines of, of what John just said that if we do keep this program, it would be interesting to. Um, put some sort of, uh, you know, revamp it a little bit. So um, whenever someone gets an award or whatever it is, um, it um, has 
it encourages other people to sort of um, do the behavior change that the RWRD, um has implemented, for example. Something where, you know, it's not just like the awardee that, that, that gets, you know, giving kudos, but also there's some sort of magnifying effect where other people in the community maybe copy that behavior as well. Let's see, it might be good to continue this conversation via email, but what, uh, Alicia, what are the rules of, 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 of uh, discussion that we have to abide by? Maybe remind us of that. So you shouldn't have discussion and deliberation over email. Like any deliberation of a public body is supposed to occur at the meeting, at the open public meeting. Um, so like we might send out information, but it should be like sort of a one way. We're just pushing information out to you guys. So you'll have it as reference or reference for a meeting where you should discuss and debate it. But you can, okay, you can have, but a, a minority of the committee can have these. If you had a couple of people who wanted to go have a discussion and then come back and present something to the committee to the full committee as a decision to make a decision on that would be allowed, right? You could go have a working group of less than a quorum and the working group could go discuss it, come up with ideas, and then they would bring back their proposal for decision to the whole committee. Maybe I could suggest that the education forum could be the group that collects ideas from all of you during the next, I guess it's four weeks, five weeks, I guess, till the next meeting. And then we will um, present our coalesced uh, set of thoughts for discussions on a vote at the June meeting. Is that, uh, I guess that might be a way to continue this discussion because I don't think we have time, but we've, we've got a lot of good ideas already, but I'd like to invite people to send to uh, Jessica Parks is the, uh, but you can, uh, I'll send out a, an email uh, to everybody to indicate how we should communicate um, ideas uh, for, this, for the discussion of the June 7th meeting. Um, Bob, Barry has his hand raised. What? Barry has his hand raised. Jerry, Barry, go right ahead. Yeah, uh, Bob, when you're facilitating, is there a better way to do that other than to raise hands? Because um, I don't like to like barge in and interrupt and- I'm sorry, I probably do that I, I just, all the time. Well, no, what, <laughs> no, just just tell us how you'd like us to uh, say- I would say before. just barge in, I don't care. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, uh, um, I, I just wanted to, um, uh, underline what what Gaston said um, about recognition for he, I, I think the way he put it was uh, recognizing people when there's a multiplier effect when they're actually impacting um, other people beyond themselves but um, I kind of think I think of that in a different way I think of it as the issues that we're facing are not going to be remedied by individual actions. These are systemic issues. 
And so if we want to do recognition of people, we need to be doing recognition of people who are doing something about system change, not who are doing a good job of recycling their, their plastic. Um, so I, I just, I, I wanted to add that to the discussion. Sure, I mean, obviously candidates would be vetted by the committee before they would progress to the level of award like we've always done. But, okay, these are good suggestions. I'll, I'll then uh, send you an email as to guidance for providing ideas for further discussion at the next meeting. Uh, all right, uh, let's go on then to, um, oh, I'm gonna give a quick uh, review of the climate change status. So let's see if I can share my screen again. And let's see, I've gotta to go to here. And now I gotta hit this thing and I gotta hit it again. I'm gonna stop share. Okay, let me share it again. I think that's what I have to do. Just wanted to say to Barry, when while he's sharing, you can only see four people. So raising hands while you're sharing is kind of yeah. Okay, can the, you see the, this the barge uh, in method? Yeah. All right. Let me do. Uh, all right. Uh, this is sort of an update from last month. So some people may not have seen this. I'm just going to do a brief review of them and what's what's happened. Uh, this, this climate bill was sort of signed. The, the, the governor had to sign it, otherwise it would have been over, his veto would have been overridden anyway. But it's a, a, a really far-reaching piece of legislation. I don't know if any other state, in fact, in the country has this type of program. I mean, I, I, I think that Joe Biden would like to do this with various funding. I don't know if he'll be able to pull it off, but Massachusetts is, you know, committed to a very aggressive timetable for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, basically to net zero by 2050. But starting in 2020, we we are maybe a quarter of the way from the, if you call it, the 1990 baseline. But now we got to go, we got to reduce it 25% in the next, each of the next 10 years, which is a gargantuan task, especially in the first, we've already frittered away one of the years almost, now, um, there's specific policies, a massive increase, for example, the procurement of offshore wind to be able to reduce uh, electrical uh, use from fossil fuels. And there's a lot of uh, environmental justice integration and environmental protection programs more generally. Um, the summary of the bill is that every five years there have to be emission targets for greenhouse gases. And numerical benchmarks for um, various uh, uh, issues such as uh, adoption of electric vehicles, charging stations, solar technology, energy, energy storage, heat pumps, etc., other clean technologies. But there's a legally binding greenhouse gas limit at zero by 2050. And that doesn't mean that you have no emissions of greenhouse gases, but you, you basically offset what you can't eliminate by, um, by you know, basically extracting CO2 from the atmosphere, uh, more trees, or if there's direct air capture technology. So I, I already mentioned the fact that we're going to, from what we have now, 
to you know from 25% from some baseline to you know using it again 25% by 2030 and then another 25% by 2040 and the last 25% by 2050 um, not not all emission sectors have to meet that but the collective has to to meet that goal environmental justice is written in the Massachusetts law you uh, but the cities cannot adopt local bans on new fossil fuel construction, so it's such as natural gas connections can still occur. But offshore wind development should go up uh, dramatically and the renewable energy portfolio up 3% each year for a, a five-year period um, and ensuring at least 40% of the state's electric power will become from renewables by 2030. Now, how is it going to be implemented? Uh, I took some of this from a link in the lower right because, all right, now we've got a law signed, but how do you implement it? So the governor has to implement various elements. There's a lot of little and big decisions like setting the climate goals, drafting the plans and making appointments to various uh, people who have to you know, administer this. And then holding administration officials accountable to what the law dictates and getting the funding and there's going to be new regulations and there's going to be update components of the law. So there's a lot of uh, uh, devil in the details and nitty gritty stuff that has to happen before it really gets off the ground. And so we're going to lose more time while this is all being organized for the first 10 years. For example, but there's stuff happening this year, the DPU must consider uh, emission reductions in its decision-making process. And then the governor has to have vacancies to fill on the board of building regulation and standards with green building experts, which is gonna deal with net zero uh, stretch codes. And there's gonna have to be, um, the, the, the Secretary of Energy and Environmental Affairs has to be getting emission limits. Um, which previously only focused on energy efficiency. And then there has to be some transfer of funds into the Clean Energy Center for workforce training uh, uh, program. And uh, then on July of 2022, um, new emission limits had to be set for 2025. So gosh, that's we're all, all going to be well into the first five years before we even have an emission limit. A roadmap that outlines we're going to how we're going to achieve these reductions, and then five years this will every occur again and again. By the end of next year, uh, a lot of promulgation of net zero stretch building codes, uh, etc. Um, who is in the governor's office is going to dictate how uh, you know this is implemented um, since Governor Baker's uh, term ends essentially by the end of 2022. Uh, we don't know the next governor is going to be important for implementing this. There's going to be more legislative efforts that need to pass because there's going to be um, uh, bills that have to deal with off expanding offshore wind uh, and uh, funding and legislation on environmental justice. So we're only starting the process, but it's certainly a, a new era and we'll have to see how this all works out. 
that's all I wanted to talk about with that. All right. Now we're getting going to get into uh, subcommittee reports. Um, some people might have not too much to talk about. Others may have more. So I'm going to hand it over to Barry on solar energy. I'll keep it very brief. We have nothing to report. Well, there is the issue of uh, the SMART program is going to be revamped with uh, focus on, you know, the, the low income and, you know, other disadvantaged groups. When that program gets revamped, there may be new opportunities for solar energy, which we should be aware of. And it might be, the best thing might be to, to, to wait to see if there's uh, more uh, economic incentives to adopt certain programs. So I think we're in a, we're in a, uh, a lull or we're in a transition period for at least solar, uh, but maybe, I don't know if at least you have any comment on whether we are, should wait or whether there's any opportunities. I know we, the, the solarized mass, I think you said Alicia was not um, happening this year. The state is not organizing and running a solarized mass program through municipalities. They've put a toolkit up on the web with tons of details and they've stated clearly if a municipality wanted to kind of go it on their own, they could. Um, they're just, they would not, they're not providing support for it this year. When the climate bill machinery gets put into place, I think there'll be maybe engagements with municipalities to figure out how they can take advantage of these new programs. And so I think we're going to wait and see, but we'll be, we'll want to know as early as possible opportunities. I think it's solar is one of those. All right, let's go to trees. Who would like to talk about trees today? Well, I, I don't think, uh, uh, well, Martha and I, but um, I haven't got anything to add uh, on the tree front. Martha, do you have any discussions with Loretta? Um, I know that um, Trees Medford has worked with the Arborist um, to have events like a tree giveaway on Arbor Day. Um, but our committee, I don't believe is anything to report. Um, I think the status of the draft ordinance was they're going to wait until after the this year's election, I believe. That's what uh, Nicole reported last month, I think. Um, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, the Arbor Day was last Friday, it turns out, and they had they had leftover seedlings, but I looked at the specifications, they, they, they resulted gargantuan trees, so uh, it wouldn't be good for most people's backyards. Yeah, um, Bob, I think the, the reason we were, or the reason that the um, ordinance was kind of postponed um, or consideration of the ordinance was postponed is there are some bills 
in uh, the state legislature uh, pending related to tree planting and maintaining the canopy. And um, we were going to wait and see how those bills fared in the current legislature. All right, maybe I'll give you um, something to report on next month is what these bills are all about, as I have no idea. Okay. okay. Whether okay. that, are they, going to be earth shaking or just, uh, I, don't, I have no idea what they're about. So that would be good to know. Well, and another important point is um, we may need to have something local um, because one of the purposes of the original recommendations for the tree legislation, tree ordinance, um, was to help uh, manage the, the current opportunity that developers have to clear cut sites. Um, and we would like to make sure that uh, as development continues that it's done responsibly and with some, some care uh, and, and foresight. Um, so we'd like to just make sure that whatever bills that are, are produced for the state, uh, if they don't address that, we have something here. Right, and of course, I know the forestry department always like to have more funding and more staff, but um, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if at least you have any updates on that. On the staffing levels? Yeah, and funding and all that sort of I, thing. I would tell you that right now, the mayor's meeting with all the department heads going through all the budget requests and compiling all the like requests for new headcount. And I've heard that every department wants new headcount, but every smart department head always wants more headcount, right? Like, <laughs> um, and that by the end of this week, she's gonna have some thoughts. She's working on putting some stuff together to go put to the city council. I don't really know what the timing is on that. The reality is wherever new headcount end up, um, it'll get released. The ideas where we think it is will be in early June when the budget goes to the council and they have until the end of June to vote on it. Um, so I don't know where she's thinking about putting or which department heads have even asked and for what. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's go to building energy management then. Um, Dave, I think you're the you're the first one on my list. I don't know if you're the spokesperson. Uh, I'm not technically the spokesperson. Uh, I don't believe we have an update, so I don't think we've met last month. But I did have a thought on uh, some of our ideas for priorities. There were two. One suggestion was for for the building energy and management subcommittee members to act as subject matter export expert resources to support the city uh, during review processes. We talked specifically about architectural permit and zoning processes, uh, as well as expanding the review to go across disciplines such as water efficiency, indoor air quality, open space, and climate resilience. So flood, extreme heat, whatever climate 
hazards. Uh, and after the discussion about the climate action and adaptation plan, I guess I would just put it out there not to volunteer all of us, but to say if there is an opportunity for the BEM committee to uh, assist with the climate action and adaptation plan review, I would just put that out there. Uh, any thoughts, fellow subcommittee members? I'll volunteer myself for that, but. I, I, my thoughts are, yeah, we, we kind of the offer stands that we are available to provide expertise on anything related to building energy management, building energy conservation. Um, that's a good way to put it, Martha. I think a standing offer is, I'd agree to that. I'd agree with that as well. It might help to know that there are sections, building energy, transportation, yep. environment, natural resources, and Nena is the fourth one, health? Public health, yeah. Public health are the four sections of the plan. Did you pop those in the chat real fast? I've got a short memory today. Nena can do it. Nena um, has actually, her entire internship has been working on this, these strategies and goals. Yeah, maybe in terms of just reaching out to us specifically on needs for that, for the timing, sounded like that was happening within the next month. Um, just let us know. Yep, thank you. Also, this sector is one of the large, you know, contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. That and it's hard to, you know, to mitigate because heating systems, cooling systems are a big ticket item. They're integrated into a house, and it's hard to. Um, reform that without a lot of uh, cost and, 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 uh, and, and such, but we should take advantage of any uh, incentives that come from the state climate program or the national federal program and, and keep up to date on opportunities there. All right, I have uh, something to share on This doesn't, does this come up automatically, uh, this presentation? Uh, can you see a presentation? Um, We're looking no, at your folder, no. Bob. What's that? We're when looking you, at your folder. When you oh. go to share, you can either, there are little words at the bottom, like you could share your whole desktop. Um, uh, share the, I or share. you open it first, and right, then you that, That's what I'm doing, I open it first. Now we're seeing it. Okay, I opened it first and I have to share it again. Okay. Um, I'm going to also ask Sue Brown to add some things that I might have forgotten from the Bike Commission meeting. So let's see. Uh, let's see if I can go forward here. Okay. Well, it's actually in Massachusetts, the largest sector for greenhouse gas emissions, uh, even more than uh, fossil fuel uh, electricity. Um, and we know that 
we all have to deal with air pollution emissions from transportation that impact healthier highways and Medford Square, affect the quality of life, basically. Um, it's a key uh, focus of the Massachusetts Climate Bill, especially with electric, electric cars and charging stations and whatnot to alleviate at least the, the air pollution. But you know, air, air pollution is actually a, a benefit, but it alleviates the greenhouse gas emissions from uh, gasoline and diesel. But also uh, I'm getting involved in, in uh, alternatives to motorized transport, which would be walking and biking. They are low cost and healthy ways to get around and can definitely enhance our overall quality of life. Especially in conjunction, I think with, you know, you, you can't go too, too far, but if you can get to a public transportation hub with a bike or walking, um, uh, you, you, can, you can basically subsist without having to drive your car a lot. And I, this morning I saw that 93 was backed up really far. I haven't seen that in a long time uh, coming into Boston. So the, uh, you know, the highway transportation is gonna get back to what it used to be, which was pretty awful. Um, so other Medford committees involved in, in some of these non-motorized vehicle or transport or walk Medford in the Medford Bike Bicycle Advisory Com Commission. They've been in existence for several years. Um, they didn't really worry about greenhouse gas emissions, probably. The walk Medford mission statement is we're making it easier and safer to walk in Medford to benefit the environment, health, and our local economy. So some environment, obviously, there. Uh, they have a, I have a link here that you can access from what I sent out. Um, they've been dealing with safe walking routes and they're, they're worried about snow shoveling uh, in the winter. I don't know, some, some communities like Arlington have, have town shoveling vehicle or some, you know, town um, sidewalk clearing vehicles. I don't think Bedford has those. That could be a funding uh, funding opportunity, uh, Alicia. Maybe. I think Medford has Luke Sidewalker, the, the the sidewalk clearing plow. Oh, do they? Do we have one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no. there was a whole competition to name it. That's what Luke's referring to, Luke Sidewalker. Okay, written and on the side of it. I've never seen it in our sidewalk. <laughs> I'm very proud to have the it's, name Luke. It's not out there. for residential sidewalks. Good job, it's Luke. For the public spaces. <laughs> oh, all right. Too bad. Okay. Um, the Bicycle Commission has, you know, a very simple statement: making bike riding in Medford, Massachusetts, safe, useful, and fun. They have a master plan for um, the infrastructure to for how to get around on bicycles. Um, in their website. Um, they had a meeting last week and I'll ask uh, Sue to add when I finish this slide. Uh, it turns out that Todd Blake was on for the whole meeting and the mayor actually attended for, I think at least an hour. Um, and I have invited Bruce Kulik to make a, a presentation on behalf of them at our next meeting to get their perspective 
Um, it turns out that uh, they, they, they indicated that some of the MBTA surface reductions made during the pandemic are being reversed with our reopening and maybe there's funding from federal programs like the um, in, in earlier this year. Um, even the, the Everett Casino is funding improved bike access, I believe for the Route 28 bridge that connects Medford and Somerville near the, um, the Assembly Square Mall area. Um, and uh, other roadway improvements are being advocated by the commission. And uh, there's, there's also discussions about, okay, how do we get to the, you know, for example, the soon to be opened in December, believe it or not, Green Line Extension Station um, uh, at the Tufts area. If you wanted to take that line into Boston, um, I think there's gonna be areas to, to park your bike but no, no parking of, of, of cars or other, other vehicles like that. Uh, so that's, that's one way where um, bicycles have an advantage. Uh, Sue, would you like to offer any uh, other comments? I don't know if you're still here actually, Sue. If not, I'm gonna, that was my last slide. Um, so anyway, um, these are just components of the, the entire transportation um, a focus, not only um, uh, trying to clean up emissions from motor vehicles, but also to have uh, 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 alternatives to motor vehicles. And Gaston, you had a, you had a perspective, if you're still on, uh, of of why that would be uh, important for the environment. Yes. Um, so I also wanted to uh, mention, um, I'm not sure it was clear, but the Green Line uh, extension is actually going to have a bike lane um, that goes uh, pretty much all the way. Um, um, so it's going to be great because you can take it. I my wife that, that now takes some other route and she's just gonna jump into that and then bike all the way along the protected bike lane that, that takes you to Santa Boston. Um, so um, no, yeah. So I'm I'm interested in biking for the it's, this presentation is great by the way. Um, so thank you both um, for the same reasons and uh, I'm a biker myself. Um, and you know Boston. Uh, Boston area, it's okay, but uh, definitely it's not that safe uh, to bike around here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm very interested in, um, so in addition to uh, the greenhouse gas emissions um, that biking helps avoid, um, it's also an outstanding form of exercise and then non-communicable diseases, as we saw with the pandemic, they were the main uh, cause of um, you know, COVID-19 complications. So um, it's not only the environment, but also the uh, the health aspect that uh, exercise brings. So I think if we could, um, you know, uh, give uh, um, our input as much as possible, um, it would, would be great. So I'm planning to get really involved in the in the bicycle commission as well. Um, so I'm happy to work sort of uh, at the interchange between the environment here and and bicycling over there. Okay, I want to add you to our subcommittee. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. 
Bob, uh, that's a terrific presentation. Um, I would add one group, which is the um, Complete Streets Advisory Commission. Right, right, yeah. I don't know what... I haven't gone to any of their meetings. Do you have, have you any knowledge of what they're up to, Martha? Well, they meet regularly, somewhat regularly with the um, city staff working on traffic safety and traffic engineering and transportation planning. Alicia, you may be in those meetings, I'm not sure. Um, they look at, you know, quite specifically at local improvements. Um, there's a kind of master plan, if you will. There's a list, prioritized list of which intersections and pedestrian conditions are particularly unsafe and they'd like to fix. And my impression is they chip away at that list as they get funding. Uh, some of the funding has been um, Safe Routes to Schools, which is a state program. Uh, I think some of it's come when National Grid makes changes and has to do resurfacing and they throw in a crosswalk or whatever as a mitigation benefit. Um, but, you know, that's another group. These groups obviously overlap, but that's another group that's quite important in terms of <clears throat> trying to further the complete streets concept, which is that a balanced sharing of our public ways with um, pedestrians, bicyclists, and vehicles. All right. Some of my staff have been attending. I'm on the email list for Complete Streets, but my staff have been attending those meetings recently. Um, and there's, honestly, there's a list of about 80 specific improvements. And one of the things that they've been working on as a committee is um, a system to track requests and to rate them and to score them. Um, and then there are, as Martha was saying, grant programs um, that get implemented for some of them. Um, the whole redesign down in South Medford, something that we've sometimes been referring to as Tough Square down there, um, was Complete Streets funding as well. So um, there. I think what's really important in Medford is that our traffic engineer and our city engineer who are in charge of all street redesigns are completely bought in to complete streets. Mm -hmm. Like they, so what we don't need in Medford is lobbying the city to do the right thing because the city's trying to do the right thing. I think what would actually be more helpful is if any of these groups wanted to sort of work on a grassroots and so like walk medford is in a better position than any appointed committees effort to like get support for them because the biggest trouble we have is when we put bike lanes on a street and then the people who live on the street say i hate that and who complain to the city council and the mayor that they don't like the bike lanes and believe it or not there are people who are complaining to the city council about bike lanes about the share the express bus lane about um bike racks that they are in the way they complain about and just not quite the same but the new park the new um seating for outdoor dining that's in parking spots um all of these things have been getting complained about and so hearing from residents who support these things 
hey, I'm thrilled that you installed a new bike lane here. I'm thrilled to see that your, you know, the new bike racks go in is actually really helpful for the administration to have our elected officials hearing because they only hear from the people who are unhappy. And so then they say to us, why did you do that? And we're like, because it's our policy, because it's the right thing to do. Um, question, Alicia. So when, when the mayor or the city uh, staff gets a complaint like that, um, how does it percolate to us, for example? Um, so and and it then- doesn't, We would never go around saying residents are complaining about X. I think it's more of a uh, asking I, people mm-hmm. to say when you notice something good and new to say that, like, hey, we noticed it. This is good or to educate people about the benefits of bike lanes, right? right. But there I think are a lot of really, medicine residents who hate them. I think it would be really helpful. So if a resident comes and says, like, I hate this bike lane um, in front of my house to know what, what, what's the reason that they're, that they're not happy with it. So is it, is it their fear that they're going to get stricken by a bike? Is it the visual that there's an extra line on the road? Um, I, I would just hear, I think it would be helpful to, to, you know, so not just say, I don't like it, but then also collect the particular feedback from, from those residents about what is the specific problem so then it can be addressed on our side. Right. And some of it are sort of what you might consider re- rational complaints. I like to park my car in front of my house mm-hmm. and now you've put a bike lane there and I can't, right? Like whether or not you agree that they should be able to park their car in front of their house. Like you can at least see like, okay, I understand why you're complaining. Um, But there are also a lot of people who have been pretty vocal, particularly on Facebook. I, those bikes are dangerous. I'm going to hit one with my car and then I'm going to be at fault and it's not fair. And I don't think the bike should be on the road and we shouldn't be encouraging more bicyclists. That's a very common sentiment in Medford Facebook groups. And so just having people who are out there being vocal saying, but this is important, like, this is good. Like if you were, and there are Medford residents who actively say they are scared to drive in Cambridge and Somerville because of all the bike lanes. And they're like, I don't want that to happen in my community. Um, And it's difficult to sort of work. I think think what you just said, it's very very helpful because, um, uh, yes. I mean, you just stated the reasons which I didn't know about, so I think it's helpful to just state them so we know what to do about them. Yeah, cool. Very interesting. All right, I, I've noticed Paul has leave me join us. I'm going to get to you, Paul, as soon as I cover the last subcommittee group, Energy Educational Forums. Um, we have not met. Um, I think we're looking at I think we're looking at connecting with the school system and I'm trying to find out the right, I, I tried to email the Curtis Tudin, but I didn't get a reply. Who is the person at the school system that we would wanna connect with Alicia to bring up more educational forms to that school, you know, to that group? So there, are, there are two things and I'll be brief because we're near the end of our time. There's the director of science for the schools um, and his name is Rocco, and I have to come up with it because I, the name of our Tufts liaison, Rocco, always comes to name my my mind first for his last name. Rocco Sieri is go. the head of science 
he's in charge of all science programming at the schools, right? Like all the science teachers and stuff, curriculum. Um, so that's sort of one angle. The other angle is um, I did reach out to um, Mike Skorker, who's a teacher with CCSR, because a lot of the science or energy and environment action in the high school comes out of the CCSR. And Mike and I sort of discussed the idea that this committee could help with student projects or be a sounding board, or there might be mentors for student projects. Um, and so what he was basically saying is they're kind of wrapping up the fall, the, the school year stuff, and he's getting ready to launch summer things. Um, and that he was thinking that there might be an idea or an opportunity to have some mem some students meet over Zoom with some members of the Energy and Environment Committee, possibly in late May or early June, to talk about like, to toss ideas around for student projects for things that they might do over the summer. Um, and that that would might be a useful collaboration. And it wasn't clear that at the next meeting of this committee was the right time, but rather maybe a subgroup would meet offline with a group of, or meet on Zoom separately from this meeting with a group of students. All right, I think our subcommittee would be good for that. And I think we're still looking at ahead to a similar fall collaboration with the Tufts Energy Group. That's it for our group, unless any other subcommittee members have anything to add. Um, I, mean, well, I was just going to add. Up. I was going to add real quickly, um, building on what Gaston mentioned. If there are, just a suggestion to have subcommittees act as subject matter experts. If there's a, you know, if there's a question that comes up on bikes or transportation or you know, that that is more technical in nature and not the the sort of complaints, just regular complaints. That's a that's a good role for us to play. You know, I think that's something we the building energy management group wants to play. So I suggest that that is a good thing for all subcommittees, really. If there's something the city has that they don't have a good answer for, they don't know the resources to point someone to, uh, maybe encourage the subcommittees to fill that role. Thank you. Uh, okay, Paul, Paul has joined us. Uh, give us uh, like a minute or two introduction to your background and interest in the committee. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a uh, biomedical scientist. I don't know if you, can you hear me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm a biomedical scientist. I've been in uh, the Boston area from, uh, oh, 1996 uh, onwards. Um, so been here a long time, been a Medford resident for um, 21 years, so since 2000, and uh, um, raised a couple of kids here in Medford. They both went to uh, uh, Medford Public Schools. Um, my daughter is still in Medford High School, um, and my son graduated just last year, so, um, uh, you know, being in the in, in in the town and been participating in the town for a long time. I've been a soccer coach uh, with with uh, Medford Soccer for eleven years. Um, so, seen a lot of kids go through um, the you know schools and the soccer um, experience for a long time. Uh, my interest really is to get um, youth interested 
in energy and environment. Um, really, my, my, my focus is that. Um, I was for a while running a, um, when my kids were in elementary, I was running a science uh, gig at uh, after school at, uh, at the Roberts High School. Um, and uh, that was a yearly thing. And it, um, you know, it resonated a lot with the kids. And I, I, I kind of feel that if we have um, youth participating in, um, you know, sort of becoming aware of of the of the issues that that surround uh, energy and environment, um, you know, locally, um, they become good um, citizens later. And so, really, that's my interest um, in joining the committee and wanting to contribute. Um, you know, I've uh, I've done science all my life, so um, I think uh, you know it's it's a it's a good fit for me, um, and I hope to uh, raise sort of challenges that the uh, the committee has. So. Well, we'll have to add you to our educational forums subcommittee then. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we have a scant few minutes for any you know new business, maybe suggestions for. Um, things for the next meeting you can always email me for suggested uh, agenda items but any anybody have any quick uh, new business items they want to just introduce very quick bob so how do we sign up for subcommittees if we have a specific interest for subcommittees yep well send me a note i guess and i'll pass okay. it around to the other uh, luke the co-chair right, and we'll um doesn't take that much to to join so That'll be fine. And same same goes to uh, Benji uh, and uh, Paul. Uh, if you got the agenda, you've got the list of subcommittees we have. Indicate to me via email um, which ones you'd like to be uh, joining. And I'll make sure that the rest of the subcommittees members know about your interest. Thank you, Bill. And we have a spreadsheet of subcommittees. Maybe it's a right time um, to update this information. Um, it's also online, I can drop the link. In my agenda, I put in parenthetically, if I've got it right, the members of each subcommittee. Uh, hopefully that's correct, but that's how I keep track of it anyway. I just look at my agenda list. And also the new members, uh, if you looked at the agenda at the end, we have uh, a little bio sketch of each member, I'd like to add you all. So basically uh, update that Word document and send me your input, headshot and uh, you know, a few lines of text and we'll fit it into the next meeting uh, agenda for June 7th. Fair warning, that's posted publicly every month. Plus we have the web page where we list the members. And so we'll put the same thing, I'll drop the web page in here. So uh, please think that it's not a private audience. You're just sort of, it's a public audience. All right. I think we're at the end of our two hours. I will entertain a motion to adjourn. I, I just wanted to apologize for joining late. I, I was detained at work, so. Okay, no problem. Yeah. No problem. And thank you, Bob. I will... Uh, provide the motion to adjourn.
All right, I will second it, and I, I will uh, ask anyone who objects to pick up at their peril. <laughs> okay, we are officially adjourned. Thank you very much for another meeting. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. everybody. Good oh, no. to meet you all. Welcome, new Thank members. Thank you. Yes, welcome, Thank new you. members. Bye-bye. Have a good night, everybody. Have a great week.